Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week podcast. Our vision is to empower each person to know God, experience freedom, and discover their purpose to make a difference. Enjoy the message from this past Sunday. Thanks, guys. Amen. Everybody okay? Yes. Great to see you. Wasn't that exciting seeing all these people baptized? We had some baptized that uh, first service, too. That's the first time we've uh, had two baptisms. I was really moved uh, this morning, both baptisms, and I kind of had a flashback. And when I was 21 years old, I, I really gave my life to Jesus. And when I was thinking about this stand series and then watching them be baptized, if you really want to stand, then you truly have to surrender. In order to really be able to, to, to truly stand, you have to be surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And I remember that happened to me when I was 21. I was, I'd actually been baptized when I was 14 years old, but my life really didn't change much. It was just, maybe a few things changed, but I was in and out of the world so much because I was trying to please so many people. And I didn't really invite Jesus to be Lord. And then I was at this meeting when I was 21 and God really started speaking to me about laying my life down and what that would look like to surrender fully to Jesus. Because at the time, if you were to just look at your life like a, as in a circle, courage was at the center of the life. I was living for me. But then I decided that, that night that Jesus was going to be at the center of my life and how I was going to live from that day forward. And when I was making that decision, I had this other thought. For the last two or three years, I'd been going every Friday and Saturday night, and we'd meet at this guy's house. We'd get a six-pack of beer, and then we'd go get, put some liquid courage into us, and then we'd go to the club or go to a party and try to hook up. And so I was having this thought when I was giving my life to Jesus that next Friday night you're going to the party with a different thought. And so that Friday night, I asked God to give me the strength to go into that party and tell him what I decided to do. And I went into that party that night and I said, hey guys, I got something I wanna tell you. They were putting a few down. And I said, uh, I said, guys, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've surrendered my life to Jesus. <laughs> and all those beer cans went, boom. Dead silence hit the room. And I said, guys, no joke. I've really decided to follow Jesus. I've surrendered my life, and I feel so good about it. And I invited them, and of course, I talked to them and told them I loved them, but I just was no longer going to be able to to run that race anymore, but I was picking up a new race and I was going to be following Jesus. And something really cool, I lost a lot of those friends there for a little while, 
But in due time, I was able to baptize a few of them and lead them to Jesus. And I believe it was through a surrendered life that I was able to start standing because for all those years, I, was, I just could never stand. But it was when I finally decided to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus that I was actually able to stand. And when I was watching these young people being baptized, I thought of this verse in, in John chapter one. And it said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Andrew said this, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. And I believe that some of the young people in this room, I just saw like a, a, a picture that a lot of our young people are going to be like Andrew. They're going to find Jesus and then they're going to bring people to Jesus. And I believe that's the call on our, on our lives. And if you really want to stand and you've walked with Jesus, then you can't help but lead people to Jesus. You can't help but bring people into the kingdom. I want you to go with me, if you will, to uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. We're going old school. That's the only slide we have today. So if you have your Bible, your phone, I want you to look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Whenever God wants to do something in the earth, he has a baby. He has a child he raises up a son. He raises up a daughter. And I believe Daniel was the man of the hour. And God raised up Daniel for such a time as this. And if you're sitting in this room or hearing my voice, God's raised you up for such a time as this. Now, one thing I note when I look at Daniel, he was a teenage boy. But when I look at this, Daniel had decided before he got to Babylon which king he was going to serve. He was not going to serve Nebuchadnezzar. He wasn't going to drink his drink or eat his food. He was going to do what God asked him to do. And that was not to defile himself in this way. So he took a stand. And through that, I believe with all my heart, there would not be a Daniel chapter two, three, four, five, or six if Daniel would not have stood in chapter one. See, compromise leads to other compromises, but he stood right here in chapter one and said, no, this is what I'm going to do. And then he found favor with the guard. I also believe if Daniel, Daniel was like the spokesperson. If Daniel wouldn't have spoke up in chapter one, I don't believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been able to stand up either. God appoints people, point people, that some people have to take the turbulence. Some people have to stand when no one else is standing. And I believe that Daniel said, yes, I'll do it. And he took that lead. Have you ever heard the term, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish? Can I give you a new thought about that? Here's a teenage kid, Daniel. Not only did he start, 
as a teenager, but he finished as an old man, and he never compromised. How old was Daniel when he was thrown in the lion's den? He was over 80 years old. An old man was thrown in a, in a lion's den. But if you read chapter one all the way through six, how he stood, how he was able to stand. So no matter how old you are in this room, you fit into this story. We all fit into this story. And God's asking you and I to start standing. Standing in a, in a real way. You know, I believe that God gives, I, I love the, the term, actions speak louder than words. It's a true statement, but God has given you a voice. And sometimes you have to speak up. Sometimes God puts words in your mouth and you have to speak them. And I believe in chapter one, It was huge that Daniel decided. It said he made up his mind. He had already decided what he was going to do. Have you ever tried to make a, a big time decision on the fly? Anybody ever tried that? You're on your way to buy a car. God, give me the wisdom to buy a car. You know, you hadn't even thought about it. You're just on the fly. Big decisions. Make up your mind before you get there what you're going to do. How about if you woke up Monday morning and you decided, you made up your mind before you got to work, you were going to stand at work? Anybody ever wanted to really stand at work and you felt that pressure just to bend, just to bow? I've got to cut this message a little short, so I'm going to try to figure out how to do it. If we look at, at Daniel chapter 2, let's just take a quick look at that. So we know what he did in chapter 1, but there was a, Nebuchadnezzar made this huge statue, and he said, when you hear the music, everybody bow. But three guys said, no, I'm not going to bow. But you know what he told, excuse me, in chapter two, he had a dream and he wanted someone to interpret the dream. So he called all the wise men and he said, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to interpret my dream. But not only do I want you to interpret it, I want you to tell me what the dream was. So he called all the wise men in and nobody could interpret it. And he said, I'm going to tear you limb to limb if no one can tell me the dream. So Daniel pleaded. He said, just give me a little bit of time, king, and I'll tell you the dream. So Daniel went to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he said, it's time to pray, guys. Let's pray. Let's ask the God of heaven to give me wisdom, to give us understanding of this dream. And sure enough, he gets the answer. It was in the middle of the night. Then the mystery was revealed, verse 19, to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven and said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And he goes on and on, describing how great God is. He goes to the king and tells him word for word exactly what his dream was. And then he tells him the interpretation. You know who ended up bowing in this story? The king. 
But notice what Daniel said, and I noticed this about Joseph's life. When he was brought before the king, it's like basically, I hear you can interpret dreams. He said, however, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what will take place. After he tells him his dream, he bows. It says it right here. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and the God that created the heavens and the earth. There's power when we surrender. And I don't believe the guys would have been able to stand if they wouldn't have started in chapter one. Then they realize something. When we pray, stuff happens. So in chapter three, something big time happened. We know that Daryl's been on this series and he's done an amazing job and I don't want to just keep going over everything but, but something incredible happened in chapter three when they decided not to bow. They were going to be thrown into the, the line. They were going to be thrown into the furnace and when they were getting ready to be thrown into the furnace, the king said, I'm gonna give you one more time to just bow and they wouldn't do it. So they, he heated up the furnace seven times hotter took the, the like studs and said, hey, take them up there and throw them in the fire. When he opened up the furnace, all of them dropped dead. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were there. This verse right here has been perplexing me for some time, and I shared it with Daryl. But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of the blazing fire still tied up. Can I propose a thought to you? They fell into the all-consuming fire. They fell into God. They fell into a fire that he was in and he invited them into this fire. When you and I surrender, we fall into the all-consuming fire. Notice something else, they were tied up. This is what Nebuchadnezzar said. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men cast into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men loosed, walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. When you fall into the fire, notice they were bound. Now, they didn't get burned at all. There wasn't even a singe on their clothes. But how did their, how did their, they were loosed from head to toe. How did they just fall off? I believe when they fell into the fire, they were loosed. And you and I, when we surrender our lives, whatever we're bound to, when we surrender, we're loosed. And God wants to set us free. He doesn't want us to be bound up. He wants us to start standing. My daughter and I had an experience on UNC campus. The church that I was at, we got together like 70 shoe boxes. They were actually shoe bags. We couldn't fit them all in boxes. So we took them over to these families over at UNCG. 
there were about maybe 75, 100 people in the room. Now, I'd already decided before I got there what I was going to do. That, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm going to do it. Everyone in the room was Muslim except me, my daughter, and Luke Demas, who actually comes to this church. I said, we're here to bring the gifts, but do you mind if I tell a story about Jesus? And do you mind if we, we share a little story about Christmas and then I'm going to pray? And she said, I don't care if you, you do any of that, but you, I don't want you to pray in the name of Jesus. I stood there for a second and I, I said something to my daughter that I'll never forget. She quoted a verse from the Bible and she didn't even know it. I said, Allie, this is one of your clients or this is one of your people you teach with. She said, Dad, do whatever is in your heart to do. That's what Nathan told Daniel to do. I mean, Nathan told, I keep getting all the names mixed up. He told David to do. He said, do whatever's in your heart. So I told the story, got everybody together, and then I prayed. And I prayed in the mighty name of Jesus. I did not pray in the ashamed name of Jesus, but I prayed in the mighty name of Jesus. And when I got finished, the ladies said, we want you to come back. You know, I want you to be on my board. Would you mind being on my board? Another time, anybody heard a prayer at the pole? Anybody ever experienced that as a teenager? I went over to a campus. There was like two or 300 people around this pole to pray. And as I got out of my car, I started walking towards the pole and I had my Bible in my hand. And when I got almost to the pole, the, the principal met me and she said, students can pray today, but you can't. Now, I, I don't, I'm not militant, y'all. I'm, I'm not. But I said, I thought to myself, well, okay, I'll just pray to myself. You know, God can hear me whether I'm praying out loud or not. But while I was standing there in that circle, anybody ever heard of a, of a Quaker? You ever heard of Quakers? That day I was a Quaker. <laughs> I was standing in that circle holding hands with all these students, like two or 300 people. And I felt God just say, I want you to pray, pray. And I was just, I didn't know what to do. So I'm not kidding. My right leg started shaking. <laughs> then my left leg started shaking. Then my body started shaking. I'm not kidding. The spirit of God came on me and I started quaking. He wanted me to pray. But I was fighting it. And so I didn't, so that I wouldn't look like an idiot shaking, I said, I'll pray. And so I prayed. There again, when I finished, principal comes over. You're welcome on this campus anytime you want to be. I'd love for you to come over here more often. I was telling Daryl this, and we were talking. If you go on any campus, you feel this intimidating spirit that tells you to keep your mouth shut and don't say a word. But we are coming against that in love in the name of Jesus. 
And whatever God asks you to do, are you surrendered? Is your life surrendered enough to God that if he asked you to do something, you would do it? Let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 11 real quick. The second part of Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. I love this. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. In a different version, it says, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. I believe there's many people in this room this morning that God is asking you to start taking some actions. You know, faith without action is just dead. Just like your body, if you don't have a spirit inside your body, you're just a corpse. So when you have faith in God, when you surrender your life to God, then there has to come a point if he asks you to do something, your life's totally surrendered to him and what he wants, not what you want, then you stand firm. You're able to stand firm. And it says in the King James Version, those that know their God shall do great exploits. The word exploit means heroic act. A deed of renown. You can't help but notice it when people do courageous things in love. In the power of love. Because God is love. And whoever lives in God lives in love. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to ask you a question. Are you standing? Are you standing in your neighborhood? When you go to the gym? When you go to the grocery store? In your neighborhood? At work? I looked up something uh, Randomly, I wasn't really thinking about it, and I looked up something about Tim Tebow. And in 2009, when they won the national championship, Tim Tebow had been wearing Philippians 4.13 right under his eye here. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And two days before the national championship, he said the Lord asked him to put John 3.16 if you know anything about sports and coaches, sometimes they can be really superstitious. He went to the coach, and the coach said, he's like, coach, I feel like I need to change the verse. He's like, Philippians 4.13 is what got us here. You can't change that. He's like, coach, man, I, got, I really got this on my heart, this John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. After the game, two days later, the PR guy called up the coach, and Tim Tebow was with him. And he said, do you know how many people Googled John 3.16 during the game? 94 million people Googled John 3.16. And I was thinking to myself, I think there's about 
a little over 300 million people in the United States. You're telling me that 94 million people in the United States of America do not know what John 3.16 is. We're taking so much for granted. Said that 75% of Americans say they're Christian. How in the world could 94 million of them not know what John 3.16 is? Are we doing our job to stand? Are we the salt and the light of the earth? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You need to start believing it. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are, you are, you are, you are. But we've got to start standing. We've got to stop bowing to another king. And we've got to start bowing to the king of all kings and Lord of all lords. And his name is Jesus. I don't ever want to stand before Jesus and say that I was ashamed of him. You know, the most sobering verse in the whole Bible, I think, is in John. I mean, excuse me, in Matthew 7. When he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And then he said, depart from me, I never knew you. Notice Daniel 11, those that know their God, know their God, will do great exploits. There's something very powerful about knowing God and being known by God, being a friend of God, walking with God. So I, I, I want to encourage you. I literally want to put some courage into you today. And as we end this stand series, I want to just come alongside you and say it's time to start standing. Do you feel it in the, in the air? It's time to start standing. You feel like today's a good day to start? I do. Before I left, my wife and I had come here to Boone in January. This guy who was dying of cancer called me on the phone. I've worked with him a few times at the furniture market. And he said, I'm dying, I have cancer. And could you come to the hospital? He said, out of all the people I know, I feel like you would know God better than anybody. Could you come to the hospital? And so I'm on my way to the hospital. And when I got there, another preacher had got there before me and led him to Jesus. He's a pretty rough dude, big, tough dude. But as I walked into the room, he started crying. And he started telling this story. He said, you might not even remember this. But he said, do you remember that day we were on that construction Sight, and you stopped everybody on the job and you said, let's pray together. I want to pray for you today. He said, you remember that? He was in tears. He said, that's the most courageous thing I've ever seen anybody to do. He said, I've been a coward my whole life. 
I thought I was tough. I could kick 10 man's butt at one time. But he said, I've been a coward. And he said, what you did that day, I'll never forget. And he said, I want to live however many days I've got left like you lived. Can I tell you that there's so many things that people notice that you do every day that you don't even realize? There are things that you are doing that are literally echoing into eternity. And I just want to invite you today to start standing. Now, in John 10, 27, it says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. If I were to ask you, are you following Jesus? Are you following him from a distance? Like it says that about Peter when Jesus was right before his crucifixion. said, Peter followed Jesus from a distance. I don't want to follow Jesus from a distance. And I don't believe you do either. And I want, to, I want to give you an invitation to come and follow Jesus up close. You know, I believe that today's the day that, that many of you are gonna break free and fall into the consuming fire of God. Could you stand with me? I want you to just pause for a moment and I want you to ask Jesus who's, who's in the center of your life. Is Jesus at the center? Are you ruling and reigning in your life right now or is something else? You know, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I believe some of you in this room just feel really compelled right now you know, you've seen yourself at work, you've seen yourself in other places and you know it's time for you to start standing. That it's time for you to surrender your whole life to Jesus. It's time for you to give him everything. And I wanna give you an invitation to do that. As I'm talking, if you just feel like you need to make a stand, and you want to slip away from your seat and you just want to walk down here, then I just want to give you an invitation to come and stand. To let the world know, to let everybody know that you've decided to follow Jesus. I did that when I was 21 and I wanted the whole world to know when I was baptized at Myrtle Beach in front of thousands of people. I just wanted the whole world to know it. So if you're in the room and you just want to, today you just, I'm just tired of not standing. I want to just stand. And I'm inviting you just, just take a stand. Just move out of your seat and come down here to the front. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that, that the boldness, that the courage of God will just come upon you. We're living in a day where people need to start standing. Come on.
Don't be ashamed. And if God told you to stay where you are, you stay where you are. And I believe there's a few people in the room that, that you need to give your life to Jesus. You've been playing, playing around and you know it's time to give everything to Jesus, like submission to Jesus. Then I'm inviting you to do that. And there's people up here that, that will pray with you. But I just want to declare this over, over you. You're the Daniels of this hour. You, you are the Daniels of this hour. It's time to stand. But the only way we stand is through surrendering all. Trust in the Lord and do good. It says that in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord. He's got your back. He's got you hemmed in on every side. I'm just gonna pray for you. Father God, you created us. You made us. You knit us together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And it was for such a time as this that you placed us on this earth when you placed us. You were the one that strategically placed us in history where we would live, where we would move and breathe and have our being in you. So today, Father God, I ask you as we stand together today, Holy Spirit, that you would empower this people, this nation, this high country, that we would begin to stand in love, in the power of love, the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living inside of you. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised again. We just declare today, we're not going to live for ourselves, but we're going to live for you, Jesus. And we give you our heart we give you all of it. We give you all of our lives. We give you our futures. We give you our hopes, our dreams, our plans, and we yield our rights to you. And it's no longer I, it's no longer us that's gonna be living, but it's you, Jesus. So come and empower your people to do great exploits in this high country and on this earth. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. There'll be some people up here to pray with you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To find out more about our ministry, visit hhcboone.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Harvest House Church Boone.